You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out on this Monday morning. The Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fine job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. I think we got uh, Chuck on the Stuart Shelby hotline. What up, Chuck? Uh, how's it going this morning, guys? Uh, yeah, I'm calling uh, CEO. We're talking about uh, Watson being in the uh, playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in the Watson High School area. I didn't go to Watson. Graduate, graduate, nineteen ninety-three. Graduate from uh, Saint Frederick. But uh, what people don't know about Watson, let's say back in the day, let's say back in the day, uh, that Watson won a state championship in in nineteen seventy-nine in baseball. People, a lot of people don't know that uh, Watson was a different. See, this this neighborhood it was a different area during the time. He had more people there, and the interest uh, was different in baseball. You know, now you have the the Young people coming along now, uh, football and basketball, uh, when they go to Watson, uh, Watson was without a baseball program for uh, some years, and they, they ended up bringing it back, and I imagine it was probably tough for them to, to find opponents to play. Uh, but um, that, but I just want to put that out there. And also, it's also the, uh, uh, the alma mater of, uh, of legendary coach uh, Wayne Johnson. Mm, yes, one of the best uh, baseball coaches in the state. Thanks for the history yeah, lesson. Chuck, that's good stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Appreciate the oh, yeah. call. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. And All right. Thank you. Uh, and once again, there was no disrespect to, to Watson Baseball. We were just talking about the process, the fact that they're 2-2 two and two and are in the postseason. We were wondering how that happens. And, you know, and not to disagree with Chuck, but uh, the scheduling, uh, I don't know if there's that big of an issue scheduling or not. And then you do have so many games scheduled inside district play to start with. And obviously, a majority of those were either canceled or postponed and ultimately never played. Yeah, and I've gotten some texts this morning saying that you have to play a minimum of 15 games. So people were going, how did they get in if that's the case? The only thing that comes to mind is maybe the other teams turned it down. Like the other teams Mm. below 32 turned it down. I don't know. And and Wasserman said, yeah, we'll play. That's the only thing I, I can kind of come up to because why how would a team be able to play if they're, they're two and two and you have a 15 game minimum requirement mm. so it's just very odd very strange but this is the lhsa we'll send a text out to uh, dean smith here during the break and i'm sure he'll have the answer yes. for us yes I'm athletic sure director out at uh, wasman yes where you want to go I think we need to start when we uh, revisit some of the headlines from the weekend. And, of course, the storyline that continues to spread across the state, what the Pels continue to do, and now uh, they are grabbing plenty of national headlines. Yes, they are. Uh, Like I mentioned, the fact that the ringer.com had a story saying that Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis are the best duo in this playoffs. I think it's really cool to see the the pub they've been getting. But when you sweep the Blazers – the number three seed, and let's let me. Uh, I'm not raining on the parade of the, of the Pelicans, but a lot of people look at the seedings and look at how the the Blazers were number three, and they thought, well, this team must be great. Would they have like one or two more wins it than the Pelicans? Wasn't much separation. You know, the West was very jumbled. You know, down the stretch, and there were a lot of moving parts. Teams were swapping seeds every day, uh, but but Portland had like a two game lead, and they were able to hold on to that 
that three seed. That said, I still consider them to have one of the best backcourts in the NBA. And the fact that the Pelicans went in there and you got playoff Rondo and you got Drew Holiday play out of his mind. And listen, not too long ago, people were going, wait a minute. The Pelicans gave Drew Holiday $132 million on a five-year deal. And how about Rondo's reputation over the last couple of years? Rondo's reputation was that he was a bad teammate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think he's done enough in this postseason to kind of maybe not change the narrative, but maybe silence those naysayers for a little while. Mm. Because I think he's been a great teammate. I think Boogie's been a great teammate on the bench. Just seeing the way he celebrates, seeing the way he was calming Pelicans players down uh, Saturday because it was getting really chippy and uh, emotions were running wild. And you could tell the Blazers were trying to take the Pelicans out of their element, try to try to rattle them a bit. And to some degree it worked, but I thought the second half the Pelicans came out with a clear mind and didn't allow anything the Blazers did to affect them. And, of course, Anthony Davis went off. But, uh, yeah, it was a huge win to get that get that sweep and – now you get to rest up. You get to wait on the Warriors. The Warriors have to play another game. I I think, you know, I think they'll close it out. I don't see this as the Spurs win yesterday as the start of, of a competitive series. Popovich is still not on the bench, correct? Uh, I think so. I don't, I don't. I think he'll still be missing, but I, I haven't read up on that. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think the fact that, you know, the Warriors will probably close it out, but, yeah, the Pelicans get some extra time to rest and, and maybe, just maybe, when they start that series, that second-round series, Steph Curry won't be available. Mm-hmm. And Pelicans can take advantage of that. An amazing stat with Holiday and Davis combining for the 88 points, the most points by uh, teammates uh, since John Havlicek and JoJo White back in 1973. Wow. Yeah. Good stat there. And then you look at, of all the series taking place in the NBA in the first round, and then the ones that you point out, well, that one's going to end in a sweep. And the Pels are the ones now resting at home while everybody else is still playing. The, the, so the playoffs have had a lot of interesting storylines, a lot of interesting story threats going on. From Milwaukee's, you know, Greek Freak tipping the ball in yesterday to tie that series at 2 2 with mm-hmm. Boston, to Washington now tying the series at 2-2 two and two with Toronto. Toronto, the playoff Raptors. You know, playoff Rondo is a thing, mm-hmm. but the playoff Raptors is a thing, too. And you're burying the lead. And the number one storyline, Cleveland. Cleveland, exactly. Yeah, I was getting there. Uh, Cleveland, the fact that LeBron really is by himself. And, again, I'll say it again. Kyle Korver, if he doesn't get hot in that late stretch, in that fourth quarter stretch last night, LeBron and the Cavs lose that game. Corver hit some big-time three-pointers that gave them a little bit of separation and then drew the defense toward him to allow LeBron to take advantage of some mismatches late. So that was absolutely huge. But it's it's funny just seeing the Pacers throw Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson's like a little gnat just bothering LeBron. And uh, he's been effective in doing that. But LeBron still has 30 points last night and still – you know, is able to do enough to to get that win. Mm. But yeah, we got a series tied two two. That's right. And I was thinking, you know, this was the first time in LeBron's career where he had to play all eighty two games. And I was thinking, you know, before the series started, they need to sweep so he can get some rest. And he ain't getting any rest. So if you're looking at this and thinking, how how 
you know, it's funny because we, we talk about the regular season, the NBA, and how it's not uh, fun and how we know that it's going to end in Warriors versus mm-hmm. the the Cavaliers. It is so – that's flipped on its head right now because I, I pick in Sixers. I'm picking the Sixers in the Eastern Conference. I think the Sixers are going. Uh, and, and the more I see of the Cavs, the, the less impressed I am with them. Of course, they have LeBron. They have the greatest player in the world. But that's not enough, man. You need some help. And he he doesn't have hardly any help right now. Shane C. points out Kevin Love has been terrible. He has been awful. Absolutely awful. You're right. And, uh, you know, looking at the Utah series, that's been interesting. Houston, I thought, was maybe on their way to sweep because they looked so dominant in the first two games. James Harden was like 2 of 19, I think, in the second game, and they still won by 20 points. And when you see that, you're going, oh. Well, this is a lot less competitive than I was anticipating. And then Minnesota goes out and wins 121-105 Saturday. So, yeah, again, I've been very entertained with these playoffs uh, so far. Mm. Alvin Gentry says that uh, his goal for the next series to out-coach Steve Kerr. Oh, and he knows, he knows the Warriors. He was an assistant under him for a year. So. Yeah, he knows the Warriors. Um, but he's got, you know, I, th- I just feel like Anthony Davis is in that spot where he continues to elevate his play. And I know that sounds silly because he's been so good for so long. But that game Saturday was insane. So here's the question. Do you want the Spurs to extend this another game or perhaps two? Or do you want them Golden State to get rid of San Antonio so then the series will start sooner against the Pels? And, of course, that means shorter time for Steph Curry to rest up. Number two. Yeah. I mean, you want this series to end quickly. Let's let's try to start the second series as soon as possible. So Plus, Steph Curry has less as Tommy time. Tharp says to continue the momentum that the Pels have carried after the first round series. <laughs> There's right? the whole momentum yes. argument. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm with you um, because the the Pelicans, you know, they're feeling it right now. The Warriors are still trying to get uh, Steph Curry healthy. Yeah, let's start this series, man. Let's get it going. Mm. Good stuff from the NBA this uh, weekend, and, of course, it'll continue this week. Yeah, and Tabor just pointed out, 80 just turned 25. People forget that. That's insane. 25 years old. Hmm. 888-993-7762. A couple other uh, headlines that we have not touched on, and this uh, came down on Friday. Former Louisiana Tech quarterback Luke McCollum officially retires from the NFL. And we've had Luke on the show numerous times. If anybody would have said his career would have lasted, what, 12, 13 years in the league? Obviously, uh, injuries kind of hurt him in several different places. And then, of course, he played with some bad teams, whether it was at Tampa or Cleveland. But for 13 years in the National Football League, he was collecting a paycheck and was an outstanding teammate. Pretty cool. And it was a great fit as the backup down with the Saints behind Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Uh, what do you make of uh, Willie Snead getting an offer from the Ravens for two years, $10.4 million. Uh This news came out, I think it was Friday. Uh, the Saints, dating back to Friday, now have five days to match this offer. What do they do with Willie Snead? My question is, and I know they're different type of receivers, but if he leaves, does this help the probability of the Saints landing good old days? Mm. You remember the, the odds mm. were like third? Yeah, third best. Third yeah. best, yeah. And I know they're diff- you need a, a slot guy, but uh, hmm. still need some wide receivers. Mm. Other headlines, and this one uh, caught me a little bit by uh, 
off guard. Jay Feely, of course, a former kicker, uh, does some work for uh, CBS now. I think he's been doing that since 2014. He posted the age-old picture of uh, you know his daughter going to prom, and there's a picture of his daughter with a, a kid dressed up in a tux, and he's in the middle of them, and he's wearing his golf attire, but he's also uh, holding a gun to his side. And his, basically his tweet was, uh, wishing my beautiful daughter and her date a great time at prom. And that has now caused an uproar. Yeah, so I haven't followed this story. Yeah. What is the uproar about? Just uh, the fact just, that he's holding a gun? Yeah. But like... Well, now in this politically correct world, and then, of course, with everything that's going on with guns. And I gun need to safety. see the picture. Like, what's... He's just standing in the middle of him. The gun is, is to his side. They're going off to prom. Yes. What does he have the gun for? The reference, you know, if anything, you know, I'm protecting my Jay daughter. Jay Feely has the gun. Jay Feely has the gun. Oh, I was thinking yeah. the date had the gun. No. <laughs> oh, so it was like a funny tweet. Yes. Oh. A father protecting his daughter. Okay. Yeah, that's silly. Well, he, well, I know everybody. Hot water now, and he had to uh, issue an apology. Everybody has to be outraged about something. Yeah. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. The morning drive on Sports Talk ninety seven seven. Back after this. Welcome back to the show. We continue to uh, break down the big things over the weekend, and who would have thunk it? Uh, one of the things we've been discussing is uh, ULM's uh, new logo, the new brand for ULM Athletics. The big unveiling on Saturday at the Doug Peterson event. And it is sweet. I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of the new helmets. I'm a fan of the new jerseys. I think it's it all works well. I, I think it's a huge upgrade for you. Mm. I agree. It, it is sharp. It is nice. But uh, I don't know if that sells tickets or not. And everybody talks about, well, you got to put a winner on the field. you got to put a good product yeah, listen, on the court and on the field. And, and they have made major strides in the past couple of years to do that. But uh, ultimately, and I pointed it out, and you certainly have too, that has not made a big difference in the turnstiles. I don't know, like I don't know why people are making the comparisons to this to fill in the stands. Like changing the uniform won't fill the stands for any team. I don't understand why that comparison is being made. I just think it's an upgrade to the look. Therefore, you look better. Mm. You look more like a professional college football team. You know what I mean? Like you look like you belong mm. on that level, and so. I just I, I was never a fan of the Warhol logo. I am a fan of this logo. I think it's a big deal. Is it going to fill the stands? No. You have to win to fill the stands. I don't I don't but I never, you know, compared the two. Well, one of the reasons they are using this logo cuz they're trying to bridge of course the past to the present. And of course, a lot of it dates back to that 19 that 1987 national championship squad and trying to bring some of those uh, former players and of course those fans ba- back. And I, I always say that is fantastic. But if you're not continuing to, to try to rebrand yourself or, of course, bring new fans and faces into the stadium and the gym, what good does it matter? I mean, the, your fan base is aging by the day. And anybody that's been to a ULM sporting event in the last, you know, literally two years can see it. Yes, but you have to win. Mm-hmm. It's all about winning. Yes. And, and but there's nothing wrong with rebranding while, you know, yes. while you're waiting to win. Now that you have this uh, new logo, this brand, stay with it. Keep Amen. It. Amen. You've got you. You found the right formula here. Now keep it. Uh, the formula that they used to unveil this was uh, well done. A uh, sharp little video presentation with uh, Tim Brando narrating it. Of course, you heard from uh, Brando on this show uh, last Monday. Uh, we're going to play the audio for you here. There's going to be a portion in it where there'll be about t- 10, 15 seconds of just uh, music. 
what that is. There'll be so many different big highlights from ULM football. But I thought it'd be worth uh, just sharing this audio with you, just that what ULM is putting out there to sell this football program for 2018. It is possible for men to fight against great odds and win. Last play of the game. Humphreys back to throw. Humphreys will put it up in the air for the goal line. The pass down there is batted up in the air. It's going to be up and loose. Oh, it's a touchdown! It's a touchdown! The Indians caught the football! It's a touchdown! It's a touchdown for the Bees! First down, 10, 5, touchdown, Warhawks! Blue Bees here in the Monroe has pulled off the upset. On the banks of a Louisiana bayou, rising high above the cypress trees, is a sacred place. A place entrenched in history. The time has come to unite the glory of our storied past with a dedication to rally as one voice. One team with one goal. culmination of decades of an unwavering spirit and the foundation of a pride unyielding. A legendary namesake that flies higher than honor. A heritage of gold. A promise of Warhawk victory. And Louisiana Monroe goes on to the upset win 21-14. And the Warhawks stun number eight Arkansas. <laughs> The past will no longer separate us, but unite us. In the words of Lieutenant General Chennault, Warhawks never run from a fight. Warhawks defend the nest. job by the people who put that together i believe uh, jonathan perry and his guys uh extremely well done we need to open our show with that music <laughs> like that music and all you hear is our voice i think that's fitting uh probably not. probably not Good no job. very well done mm-hmm. yes um they probably spent money on that so then they couldn't afford to uh, print off a roster oh so there or it to is. get a public address announcer there it is you can't just let them have their moment. I am letting them have their moment, but I like to see things done right. And it's not that hard. Listen, I'm not going to You want here. people to come. And then, you know what? You got people coming out to your spring game, more people you probably had out there uh, in years. Why not capitalize on that? And at that time when those people are in that stadium or making their way to the stadium, you have somebody working the crowd, 
you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, and also, hey, by the way, season tickets. You interested in a sale or two? Here, this is what you can do to get on board with the Warhawks next year. I'm not going to sit here and defend what they did at the spring game. Yeah. But I was just saying, you know, they had the – I thought they did the unveiling right. I thought, you know, they – Listen, they, I'm not saying anything that I wouldn't say to them in person. But literally, if it's been, you know, Bruce Hanks, Bobby Staub, Brian Wickstrom, and Nick Floyd, uh, has anybody ever asked me what I thought? No. How, how dare they? But I'm just saying, wouldn't you, if you're coming into a market and somebody's been here for almost two decades and has been covering this team, that you would ask their opinion? But no, most of these times – People think that they know what they, you know, they're bringing in these big market ideas. And ultimately, have any of them worked? The big market ideas for the spring game? Overall, ULM Athletics. I don't think there was much thought put into the spring game. I'll just say that. I mean, why? If, if so, and there doesn't have to be a lot put in it, but it's the little things. That's all I'm saying. I, no, I get it. I'm, I'm with you, Aaron. I, I, I think the spring game was, was a swing and a miss with the format that they had. But I'm just trying to say, like, I don't think they sat down and put a lot of thought into it and said, oh, you know what would be good is if we don't have any rosters and if we don't have a clock and if we don't have, have a, PA. a PA. It's kind of like when the NFL went with that. You remember that this is way before your time, Millennial. Uh, they had a game, an NFL game, where they had no announcers. They just had ambient sound. And, that was, and they had the graphics and everything, but they literally showed a game with no announcers. Yeah, you're going to need that. And company. you know what? It didn't go over well. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish they would have done that better. And I don't want to make this sound like, yo, I, they don't come to me for an opinion. I'm just making the overall statement. There have been a lot of fans and a lot of people that have been to a lot of ULM sporting events throughout the years. Yeah. And at some point, you probably should try to get as much information as possible and then kind of form your ideas. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And also, they didn't have any graphics on the screen as far as, like, who called it or anything like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jay. I'm trying to give him a – I'm trying to find something here. All right, Nick White will join us at the bottom of the hour. He'll put a, a nice spin on it, voice of the Warhawks coming up at 830. And by the way, ULM spring game, I was out there, and uh, they do look the part. They are making major progression on the field with Matt Viator and the squad. they got a number of playmakers. Offensively, we can talk a long time about Caleb Evans, the receiving core, and what they're doing. Uh, the major question remains on the defensive side of the ball, and they are making strides over there. First-team defense creates five turnovers. They look like they have a little bit more playmakers over there. They're certainly healthier than they yeah. were through the course of uh, last year with uh, Coach Collins. In fact, they ended uh, the spring game on a, a touchdown. I don't know if it was planned to end right then, or they're like, this is a high note, let's end it right here, because <laughs> there was no clock. But uh, Corey Strada, the former Neville standout, has a pick six to end the spring game. Yeah, and I'll – kind of regurgitate what i've been saying regurgitate yes uh, what i've been saying about spring all along is you can't take too much away from it you can't sit here and go well the defense has five turnovers it'll be better this this all this uh upcoming season we don't know we don't know and we can't sit here and say the defense will be bad either because again we don't know we need to see it in live action and against the opponent or an opponent exactly but it is nice you know you do need to reference the fact that they lost what three safeties mm -hmm. last year i mean the, the injuries did pile for them on mm -hmm. defense and the other thing uh taken away from spring games and we talked about alabama and their situation with the quarterbacks and lsu and quite frankly we went into their spring game with the tigers and we were saying well you look at a new offensive coordinator you're going up against this defense we really thought that the defense for LSU would pretty much dominate the Tigers in their spring game, and LSU's offense actually had its moments. 
Yeah, I'll fence that at the moment, yes. Uh, before we get into that, I want to read this text from Roger. He says, I agree with Aaron. I was on campus for a softball tournament and literally did not even know that there was a spring game going on across the grove from me. So there you go. Mm -hmm. You're getting the backing of the people. There you go. Well, at least by Roger. At least by Roger. Mm -hmm. uh, so as far as LSU spring game, yes, they did put it in the end zone a few times. But if you look at the beginning of that game, there was – the defensive line is what stood out to me. That defensive line is going to be nasty. There were no running lanes. There were even the throw, the touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson, the 94 yard. That was a sack if that was a real game. Okay. Mm. So the guy, uh, I forgot who it was. Might have even been Clavon Ch on who was in the backfield numerous times um, Saturday. So. I, I look at that, and I thought the defense really did win. Now, the offense did make some plays, especially in open field, and the way the receivers were able to go up and get some jump balls, that's promising. And Justin McMillan looked, looked really good. But overall, I thought, the, I thought the defense was more impressive. Mm. Offense, the big storyline will continue through the summer, and they think there will be some kind of a separation, perhaps, with the quarterback situation. Uh, Justin McMillan leading the pack now. Could he be your leader over uh, – Miles Brennan and Loyal Narcisse? Has to be. Well, I think this is the last time they report for, what, six weeks? So this is the last thing that the coaches see. This is the last thing that the fans see. What is that old cliche? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. What happens if you have three quarterbacks? <laughs> yeah, well, you can It's never imagine. easy to beat a team three times, too. That's right, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's throw all the cliches in there. But, uh, no, I, I think that McMillan has to be the quote-unquote leader, but not by much at all. If anything, his performance showed us that this was an actual, legitimate quarterback competition. What Ed Orgeron has been telling us. Uh, it's just it's hard to believe it when you don't see it. But now you see it. And, uh, yeah, Orgeron wasn't fabricating that. 888-993-7762. The Morning Drive is back after this with the voice of the Warhawks, Nicole. Welcome back to the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. It is Monday morning. We always look forward to catching up with Nicholas White, the voice of the Warhawks. What up, Nick? How you doing this morning, bud? Good morning, guys. Uh, how are you? I ah, can't complain, man. Everything's going well. We've had plenty to discuss over the course of the last uh, hour and a half. Uh, one of the things, of course, is the new branding, the new logo for uh, ULM unveiled out at the big event on Saturday. And I know uh, there was a nice crowd on hand, and it went over well. Yeah, I thought. Excuse me. I thought the uh, thought the event went over uh, very well. Uh, first off, you know, I thought Doug was was gracious with his time. Um, I, I got, you know, and this, this this obviously, and I think anybody who, you know, you, you look at the the head coaches down south in New Orleans, uh, I have a hard time believing that that he would, uh, you know, be as gracious. Uh, with with the people uh, in the way that, that Doug Peterson was, and, and just in, an example of that, and what I'm talking about is, obviously there were people who who paid their money to uh, go to the VIP portion of that, and, and you had a special reception in a separate area, and that that that, that consisted of you know a, a meet and greet session with them and a, and a photograph opportunity and and different things like that, and and certainly you know those are the opportunities, and, and you had to pay for that, but. You know, there were there were some times, you know, after the event where he still uh, was very accessible to people and and took the time. To, he didn't just you know get rushed off and and go and and you know have a car and be escorted out by five police officers and 
and and went out the the back back door of Fan Ewing Coliseum and got out of there. I mean, he stuck around. He signed autographs. He took pictures, and you know, just just a just a class individual. Now, certainly, uh, you know, let's give the Cowboys fan in me. Uh, <laughs> he's coach of the Eagles, so yeah. But but certainly, uh, uh, class individual all the way around. It was a, a great great event uh i thought that it was it was just a, a well put on event and then uh, of course the the new uh brand unveil and um you know you, you hear mixed reviews of it and uh certainly uh you know it ties the, the past along with the present you, you could kind of sense this was coming i mean whenever they did the the university logo um that kind of came out i mean this this is pretty much the same thing guys i mean except for the the color scheme is kind of going back and, and, and all this. I mean, you put two and two together. This was going to end up happening. And um, so, you know, you got a sense this was going to, going to take place. And, and so uh, they unveiled this and, and this happened. And, um, you know, now, obviously, they've gone through a lot of these over the years. Uh, my hope is they stick with it and this is it. This is, you know, the final straw and, and don't tinker with it. Don't change it again. Um, because uh, it can cause some brand confusion and, and different things like that. And now, um, much like the, I heard you guys talking about, you know, uh, the folks down South and, and Lafayette and, and how they're adamant about, uh, what they do with their branding and, and the, the Louisiana stuff and all that. Uh, it's time for you to do the same exact thing. Um, you need to go and, and, and start hounding people that okay, this is what you use now, and this is how you were to be referenced, not UL Monroe or uh, La Monroe or any of this stuff. It's ULM, and you know you you need to be adamant about it. That if this is how you're going to brand yourself, then um, you, you need to do exactly what they're doing and hound people about it, and, and hound your conference mates about it. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I was in Little Rock last weekend and. Their radio guy kept referring to um, to ULM as, as UL Monroe, but then you would hear them talking about their next weekend and saying, you know, they were making the trip to Louisiana. And <clears throat> politely and respectfully, I said, hey, and to their SID and to him at one point, you know, during the weekend, I said, look, you know, if you're going to play ball and you're going to play by the rules and, and sit here and, you know, the conference mandate is, you know, you're going to call people by what they want to be called in this league, then respectfully you should call ULM ULM because that's how they want to be referred to as well. If that's what we're going to do here, um, you're calling them what they want to be called, yet you're calling, you know, ULM UL Monroe. So, um, you know, I, I would appreciate the same courtesy, and, and they did. They did it the rest of the weekend. So, uh, But you need more people to start doing that. You need everybody involved with the athletic department to do that, and, and hopefully this will lead that charge to start, uh, you know, doing that and, and start forcing that on everybody. You know, if, if that's going to be the way they're going to play ball, then uh, do that with this branding and, and push forward with that and, and enforce it like uh, like they've done down south and uh, with everything else that's going on. Jake pointed out to me, maybe I just don't pay that much attention to it, but the colors had changed uh, a little bit through the years? Yeah, know? kind of going back to, to the way, it, you know, I guess it used to be. And um, and that's kind of, you know, I'll say this. You look at it and, and you can – and you're in Adidas school and, and they're, you know, inside the league, Texas State, I mean – 
can have the same exact stuff. I mean, Texas State, their uniforms, you, you can't differentiate from them very unless they wear their, their terrible, you know, gold uniforms with the light color, light, light numbers or whatever where you can't hardly see them. But, um, you know, everything else, I mean, they, they look identical. And then, you know, Texas a and I mean, you get the same exact gear in Mississippi State. I mean, they they all have the exact same stuff, and so maybe this will allow you a little little bit of, of to differentiate from from those guys as far as the color schemes go. I don't have all the particulars as far as uh, you know uniforms and, and how fast this all will be implemented. I, I understand you know this will start in the fall with football, but how fast all this will will be implemented across all the sports. I mean, this this would. If this is going to take into effect, this would be a costly venture, I would imagine, and uh, it's not something that's going to turn around overnight. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. And uh, you know, the only downside is uh, if they do, you know, permanently go to this at a fast and rapid rate, uh, it'd be a be about two two bagfuls of uh, of apparel that'll that'll be heading out out of my closet here pretty soon. That uh, hopefully I get a reload as well because I've spent a couple of years accumulating quite a quite a bit of gear. So. Uh, Hopefully, I get a pretty good reload out of it. But uh, nonetheless, uh, hopefully, this will uh, you know energize some folks and, and kind of kind of create recreate a spark in them as well. Who knew we'd bring uh, Nick on and talk of fashion? Nick, uh, baseball. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's fashion or not. But it's gear. You know? uh, we we uh, like gear. You know. <laughs> uh, this weekend, uh, ULM uh, work, of course, uh, played App State. Uh, they lose this series. There were several uh, bright spots, and I think we have to point out a kid like uh, Will Daniels from St. Frederick. Hasn't played a lot this year, but, boy, when he had an opportunity this weekend to play, he had a pretty good performance. Yeah, I mean, how, how could you not be happy for, for a guy like Will Daniels? Really great week, and, you know, th- this baseball team is beat up pretty bad right now, and, and um, you know, they, they've, they've had to had to piece together – uh, some key spots. Three three starters are out right now, and so they they've had to kind of piece together. And and you know for for Will, he took advantage of that opportunity. He got into the lineup this week. He he grambling. He had two hits, uh, including an RBI. Uh, and then you look at, at this weekend, and uh, he had five hits total on the weekend, most hits of, of any Warhawk. Uh, he got things started on Saturday with a, a bases clearing double. Uh, you know, three RBIs there, and then later in the ball game, a, a solo home run. She had four ribbies in that ball game, and then uh, was really the, the only spark offensively for them in, in the second game of that doubleheader. So, uh, you know, great kid, uh, fantastic, you know, uh, family, and, and a guy that has put in his time here in the program and, and has, has stuck with it. And uh, you're really happy for him to have some success. And, and I imagine, you know, moving forward, he. he He's probably, you know, what they got 15 games left in, in the season. I would imagine he's probably put himself in the lineup the rest of the way, especially if he keeps swinging the stick the way that he did this past weekend. So uh, great to see him have the weekend that he did, and uh, hopefully he can keep it up as uh, they have McNeese tomorrow and then, uh, boy, a tough trip out to, uh, to Coastal Carolina this weekend. All right, Nick, and, of course, you'll hear from uh, Coach Federico later with you, and then uh, he'll join us on Wednesday for his weekly visit. You look at the conference standings, and one of the goals, biggest goals of this team this year was to make the conference postseason tournament. What is it looking like right now for this team? Uh, well, right now, and, that, and once again, if, if I go back to probably one of the first interviews we did in talking about baseball. 
if they make the conference tournament, even if as a 10 seed, it will have been an unbelievably successful year under year one under Coach Fed. And, and let, let, me, let me give you a few stats before I get into where they stand right now. Uh, this baseball team has only made the conference tournament twice in this decade. Twice. Uh, think about that. We're, we're, you know, we're in 2018, twice in this decade. Um, the best conference record in this decade is 15 and 15 back in 2012. Um, so, and, and they haven't made it uh, since 2014. So they, they've had a three-year drought uh, of not going to the conference tournament. Um, so if they make the conference tournament, it will have been a successful year one under Coach Federico, no matter you know what happens down the stretch or, or whatever. They, they are still in a very good position. They still have a, a three-game advantage over Arkansas State plus the tiebreaker over Arkansas State. So essentially a four-game advantage with 12 to play over the Red Wolves for you know what would essentially be you know they're, they're the ones behind them now. Appalachian State is ha, has a tiebreaker over them now, but they are they are further back and, and they've got an unbelievably tough uh, stretch uh, down the line. I think App State is uh, four games back of them, so so basically the same distance between the, the two teams that are behind them. But if it started today, uh, ULM would actually be the nine seed in the conference tournament. Uh, Georgia State would be the ten seed. So. Uh, they got they got a tough uh, they got a tough week uh, t- tough uh, stretch you know down down the way this weekend uh, trip out to Coastal Carolina uh, then they come home for two uh, weekends against Georgia State a team that they'll be battling for for conference tournament uh, positioning with uh, and then they'll have Troy and then they you know <laughs> you hope it doesn't come down to that final weekend uh, with ULL and uh, if it does so be it but. Uh, you know that's that's who they close out with, and so uh, we'll see if, if that's how it ends up or not. And um, you know, let the chips fall where they may. We do a terrible job of promoting this, but uh, your conversation with uh, Coach Federico later today. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this probably, but uh, Coach Fed uh, still has not, uh, or his family has still not officially uh, moved here yet. And uh, hopefully that that will uh, that will happen after today. Uh, Coach Fed will actually not be uh, be on the show today. He is closing on selling his house finally in Hattiesburg, and so uh, I'll be joined by by his assistant coaches today. I think we can all give him a pass today for finally uh, getting getting to get his family moved here, and you, you can understand how incredibly stressful that's been on him nine months without his family, uh, you know, living here. So. Uh, so, so he he's down in Hattiesburg getting his house closed today and uh, getting that thing sold, and then he'll he'll take care of business here and get his family moved in here and into Washita Parish and get them settled in uh, finally. Uh, no more commuting back and forth and, and seeing his family on the weekend. So uh, that'll be great for him and, uh, and and for his family as well. So uh, we'll, we'll be joined by by the assistant coaches today uh, at Portico. And uh, well, if you haven't come out there and join us uh, this year. Uh, hanging out on, on the patio at Portico is uh, is really, really fun. We've had a great time out there, great crowds. and It uh, starts at 11 a.m. today, and you can hear it uh, right here on 97.7. All right, Nick, finally we got two minutes. You can tell us, and as well as I know you, how fired up you were Thursday with, of course, the Pels playing and then the darn NFL schedule release. Top Ooh, 10 day in your life? man. Oh, <laughs> there. That was. 
one of the best days fantastic. of the year for you, literally. I mean, when we go, when we go back through 2018, you're going to look back at last Thursday as one of your top ten sporting days of the year? It's one of the best of the year, yeah, because I plan, you know, I'm busy in the fall, uh, and, and so I've already planned. Um, and, and here's the beauty of the schedule, schedule leaks, and I tweeted about it. Uh, you know, I knew the Cowboys were hosting the Saints this year. I figured it was going to be on Thanksgiving. Uh, we got it even better, and, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to make that game. But it, it turned out even better. It's going to be the Thursday after Thanksgiving, and that kind of leaked out there. So what did I do? Uh, well, you know, I pull up the, the Hilton Honors app and start looking. You know, hotels right there by the stadium, and you know what happens? As soon as the schedule, they, they jack up prices on hotels. Oh, I got an unbelievable rate on a hotel room, so I booked it. I mean, it got a great rate on the room. So uh, I'm already booked. Uh, we've already decided, uh, unless something drastically changes uh, with, with uh, other sports that I'm covering, uh, which I think right now I'm pretty clear as far as the schedule goes, uh, we'll head out to, uh, to Arlington. I haven't been to a, to a Cowboys game since my oldest son Brian has been born. Of course, we had season tickets for many years. And then uh, when we started uh, having children, we gave those up. Uh, from a cost perspective, uh, you know, children are pretty pretty expensive, so uh, we made the decision to, to go children first over Cowboy season tickets. So we haven't been back, and uh, hopefully my wife and I will, uh, will finally get back into Jerry's world and uh, catch that game. But, uh, you know, I get to plan plan the uh, the weekends and how I get to watch the Cowboys and uh, see the other great games that are going on in the NFL. And, and then how about the Pels? Uh, you know, I joked uh, with somebody who was a Blazers fan, Said uh, be end up you know two weeks and you know, I said no we'll, we'll be able to be friends in a week you know hashtag Pels in four I never in my wildest dreams thought the Pels would go and sweep that thing but uh, they're playing well but uh, I heard I heard the uh, the text from Tommy Tharp uh, and I 100 percent agree momentum I hope the Warriors finish this thing out and that series can start as quickly as possible because the way the Pels are playing right now. I want them back on the floor, getting that momentum. It's not going to be a sweep against the Warriors, but uh, I hope they get out there. And uh, you know, now I don't know if it's false sense of hope or what, but uh, I feel like they can go and compete and uh, and give the Warriors a heck of a fight there in, in that uh, in the playoffs when they match up. Thank you, Nick. Start saving up for those nachos at Jerry's World. We appreciate the time. I appreciate. It. Yeah, we'll start saving up. Thanks, guys. Take a timeout. Coming up next are parting shots on the morning drive. I think Jake may win a, a Pulitzer Prize for this, uh, this quality journalism work. He uh, I team working on uh, the situation with Wasman in the postseason. The Wildcats with the gaudy two and two record. They'll be playing uh, Sterlington today. So here, here's the answer. I don't think I thought there was a conversation with the LHSA. I talked with the Wasman official. Didn't seem to be the case. In fact, they found out from Sterlington. Mark Sims called them and said, hey, we got a game with y'all at four. Congratulations. You're in the postseason, but you're going to be taking on my mighty Panthers. And let's play it. Uh, let's do it right after school on Monday at 4 o'clock so we can get ready for the second round. So, Wasman has a 2-2 two and two record. <laughs> They're at 32. Go through their schedule. You want to go through hold, their schedule? Hold on. Okay. I want to okay. read this. This is why they made it. Okay. This is why. I thought there was something big going, like like some kind of. All right, let me just read this. Okay. Lake Charles College Prep is behind them at thirty three. They're one and eleven. Hmm. Jules Sumner behind them, two and six. Kip Renaissance behind them, one and three. Bogalusa behind them, zero oh and eight. Bolton behind them, zero oh and ten. 
Donaldsonville behind them, 1 and 11. 39, Northwest, 1 and 16. 40, Washington Marion, 1 and 13. 41, Madison, 0 and 4. 42, Carroll, 1 and 5. And then Richwood is there with 3 and 3. But they they don't even have a ranking. I think they, they might have decided not to play. Anyway, that's the re- that's they were the best of the remaining group. Mm. I do believe, and we'll have to look it up. I think there are actually two winless teams in the postseason. Yeah, I saw something like that. But that is just bad, man. That is bad. And I'm again, we're not piling on these schools. Elitich has to change this up. You go all the way up to the twenty one seed. Is I just don't Pro- understand the the thing about only playing four games in the year. The 21 seed is Madison Prep, and they are 4 and 9. The number 21 seed? This, is th- this isn't 1A. Well, this that's isn't what happens when you, you know, have this select and non select. This is 3 8. Number 17, Westlake, is 7 and 8. Yeah. What is happening? It's called select, non select. It's called a split. I'm confused. <laughs> I am very confused, but whatever. So does this mean you're going to go watch the game tonight and cover it and comprehend the report tomorrow on the morning drive? Sterlington, the number one seed. No. And, of course, the Wasman Wildcats looking to shock the world tonight at 2-2 two and two on the year. No, I'll be at West Washington. I'm going to go check out that Karen Carr-Reed match. You are baffled over this. I am. I don't understand. What, what don't you understand? I just don't understand how the LHSA can let this happen. Well, who else are you going to allow in? You just went through. No, I'm saying how you can put yourself in this predicament. The, the, the fact that Watson is the best that you can put in there. Mm. And they've only played four games. Mm-hmm. It's called the split. I, I get it. It's just baffling. It is part of parting shots. What else you got? Uh, Let's end it on a bright note. You okay. know, you talked about that being Nick's, one of his favorite sporting days of the year. My yeah. favorite, one of my favorites is thursday the yeah. nfl draft i love the nfl draft and i don't hide it uh and I, i'm particularly going to be interested in this draft because of the quarterbacks that it has and because we know quarterbacks usually get taken often early and often anyway um the fact that you have four guys that scored over 90 uh, on the scouting um as a scouting grade means that who knows where they'll land and i i can't wait till, that's must-see television for me all right so I say that because Kuyper and McShay came out. They combined to do a, a three-round mock draft where uh, Kuyper picks somebody and then McShay picks somebody. They go back and forth. So in this um, mock draft, and I've looked at 500 mock drafts this year probably, uh, in this one uh, they have Josh Rosen going five to the Denver Broncos, which is interesting because – some people think that Denver's going to use that to trade back, which I kind of do as well, because why else would they go out and get Case Keenum, who they think can, can start right away? Um, but I, I found that interesting. They had Roquan Smith going at six, which was high. And then the thing that I really want to talk about was Baker Mayfield going at 11 mm. with Miami. There is no way Baker falls to 11. If he's hang, if he's hanging around, you know, around six or seven, somebody's going to trade up and grab him. So I just kind of find that silly. Um, I did, and, and one more thing about the draft I wanted to ask you about. I saw there was a prop bet. Um, top three picks being quarterbacks. Mm. How would you put your money on? Yes or no? Uh, no. 
but I'm sure. What is it? Four to one? Three to one? What were the What was the odds? I think they were close. Yeah. Uh, but I I probably would go yes because right. you've got the Browns. They obviously need a quarterback. The Giants might be tempted with Saquon or Bradley mm-hmm. Chubb, but I still think they're gonna go with Sam Darnold. And then you got the Jets who need a quarterback. So I think you I think you're gonna have three quarterbacks there. We always talk about universities and colleges making money off uh, college athletes. Did see Darren Ravel tweeted out following that LSU spring game, they uh, had jerseys, game worn spring jerseys and cleats and helmets that uh, fans could buy. Of course, they obviously have to take off names, uh, Miles Brennan, and of course uh, others off the back of the jerseys to sell them. But uh, for fifty bucks, you could have got a spring game used jersey for fifty dollars. $200 for a helmet, $10 for some Nike team cleats. Not a bad idea. I wouldn't spend my money on it, though. Yeah. Would you? Probably not. Uh, Coach Mack here says, I coached at St. Fred four years. We won two games, and that year we made it into the uh, 1A playoffs before the split. The one thing about 1A, Class B, and Class C, uh, majority of the time they are playing up in competition, especially during non-district play. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of different teams with not very many wins. Yeah, but they've gotten points from playing those teams. Uh-huh. And you see a lot of teams go with that strategy. Uh, that was a fun show today. Yeah, a, a, a baffling show. A show, a head-scratching show for sure. Uh, tomorrow is Tuesday, so I'm sure we will get a fired-up Gus Cattengills talking about the Pels and, of course, the sweep of the Blazers and now what it means for their matchup against the Warriors. Uh, Lane Burles will join us for his weekly visit. Once again, great timing as the Cajuns come into J.C. Love Field tomorrow. Uh, you would think uh, David Leal gets another start, another <laughs> midweek start. The Cajuns are hoping he doesn't, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, plenty to discuss. Thanks for the uh, text today. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.